0: Everyone and welcome to the SoCal Summer Swing Out Podcast. The music you are currently listening to is called "Dances in the Night" by Papa D, a fellow swing dancer, musician, artist, and friend. You can find all links for streaming, socials, and videos down below. Make sure to go and support him. Now let's get into the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the SoCal Summer Swing Out Podcast. My name is Andre, your host, and today we have a very special guest. We have kenny nelson all the way from dunco what's up kenny
1: hey andre thanks for having me
0: of course man now um i really appreciate your flexibility so we had scheduled to do a recording and then kenny was really kind and i said hey can we schedule so again super appreciate you taking the time to do that
1: yeah absolutely
0: now that being said um some of people here some of the newer listeners i'm just talking about you emily and them may not know who kenny is now i know who you are and some of the other of my friends know who you are but for those who don't know kenny why don't you give us a brief intro on who you are and a bit of a dance history
1: yeah um again yeah kenny from from denver Uh, now living out in the suburbs of Aurora with a family of two. Mm. Um, But I started dancing in the late 90s, uh, right around 1997. It was Mm. just the thing to do, Gap commercial. I'm sure some people might know that reference. Um, Just got, got way sucked into it and eventually moved out to Denver because I wanted to improve my dancing. And I was just floored by watching a group called 23Skidoo perform at the Denver Lindy Exchange in 2003, 2004. I mm. had to visit Denver like four, five more times, mainly for Lindy Hop stuff, and then mm. um, moved, moved and, improve, moved and improved and just started training. And here I am now like running a swing dance company, teaching, performing, training others to teach and doing a ton of collaborations out here
0: that you are, and you're being incredibly modest, so allow me, sir, because Kenny was the person. You were everywhere on all the videos, and you have traveled uh, yes. all over the world, right? Uh,
1: I have. Um, four, four continents, don't know how many countries. Um, it's been a fair bit. It's been interspersed with uh, like long-term teaching arrangements centered in Porto, Portugal, Madrid, Spain, and Melbourne, Australia. And then that's been punctuated and dotted with different uh, weekend workshops or hanging out at festival, dancing to electro swing. So right. living intense tents. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I I think that you're you have such like a rich history of dance, and so I know that we have a couple of topics centered around dance that, that I want to talk to you about. One of the first yeah. things being, you you teach at a lot of places, you perform at a lot of places, but one of the things that you had mentioned was there was a reason why um, you choose to teach Lindy Hop and not East Coast
1: or Jibberhead.
0: So I'm yeah. curious if you could talk to me more about that.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's that's been a bit of a path, sometimes an uncomfortable path. Uh, so yeah, growing up in Kansas City, um i mean i forget how they built it it may have been jitterbug it may have been east coast swing because the main hub for dancers of all ages and dance was a ballroom studio like all ages saturday night i was under 21 couldn't get into the clubs a- and and being at a ballroom studio they may have very well said like you know this this triple step rhythm that's going to be east coast swing because that's part of like the ballroom smooth or actually the rhythm syllabus there and maybe they mm-hmm. were trying ch- calling the other thing jitterbug and, you know, I had my, uh, we'll say like my first in, encounter, uh, with, with shame and, and, and guilt will say when, uh, the studio was bringing out Frankie Manning mm. and, um, I forget how many years prior, but, you know, I was specifically instructed to teach the Shim Sham on the one, uh, because it was easier to learn mm. and, mm. and, um, yeah, the owner's in the owner's mind, and so that was just like another like a way that I, as a representative of the studio, teaching hundreds of people, uh, was appropriating black vernacular dance. In this case, the shim sham. In previous cases, like you know, we'll say the Lindy Hop, because by calling it jitterbug or East Coast Swing, we're masking the roots. And, and a term that keeps popping up. I, I recently started picking up Brenda Dixon Gotts Gottschild books. Um, such as waltzing in the dark, and like a, co- a term that she coined was, and, and it's re- referred to as, but like people were like the dance was was invisible, invisibleized. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a clunky word to say. It, yeah. <laughs> it, it reads much easier in my head, like pages to my mind, sort of thing. Uh um but basically yeah i mean that's what i was doing and so like my first encounter like my most definite clearest reminder of it is when frankie manning came into town because Mm -hmm. we all know frankie manning and how the shim sham is supposed to be done right like that is that is his thing that's that's part of his legacy and how he brings community is dancing the shim sham so there is video on youtube where you can watch all the people my studio taught including myself on the one (laughs) and frankie and frankie and like the lindy hoppers that you know respected the culture a bit better and were better tradition bearers you could say like they're on the eight they're doing it properly but there's just this disconnect it's just so Mm -hmm. telling and 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 that was just like you know part of my process part of my like understanding is like i wanted to investigate what lindy was um because like I could see it on VHS tapes that were brought to me from an uh, event in Ventura, California called Monsters of Swing. Um, but then also like you know that's what people and they still teach it. But that's but that was like the Sunday night class at the Mercury Cafe is you you always taught jitterbug, and again just never question it. It was just something accepted. Uh, same thing when I started like Swing in Denver in 2014. Uh, Taught jitterbug, and we we you know single time rhythm set step a rock step. We we called it jitterbug, and I wasn't thinking or questioning at the time. Even with my you know international travels, like nobody teaches that. Mm-hmm. Nobody nobody calls it that. And you know I don't know the legacy, but I also figure like with the influence of harangue it's a better influence because they're bringing out many different. Black elders to teach Lindy Hop and vernacular dance, whereas mm. here in America we're dealing with a lot of systemic racism, mm. and that um, I think that definitely like plays into decision making or an acceptance and and lack of questioning, uh, you know, just a lack of like you know really hearing in and like questioning like why do I do this? And I think I started questioning it maybe with. My wife, Jessica, or uh, Jess, um, and, and I think because, like, she came from Groove Juice Swing in Rochester, New York, and they have, I mean, they have some, like, really solid, rich traditions there and, like, greater influences at the level. And I think maybe she was the one that just started asking, like, you know, maybe, like, why are you calling it this? And, mm-hmm. and eventually, you know, just discarded it, but I was still teaching that and calling it jitterbug. When I was doing like my little man pop-up lessons, 30 minute quick and dirty, because in my mind, oh, hey, that's what people call this thing. Hmm. Book. And I know I'm just like talking a long time about this, but I think it was like in, in 2019 is really when I started analyzing it and actually started picking up um uh, more literature. And I think that could be like due to exposure with teaching swing dance or Sylvia Bielick at Cat's Corner. And then also Sam Carroll. Like, I greatly admire Sam Carroll, dogpossum.org. Just just read Sam's blog. Like, mm-hmm. I cannot mm-hmm. emphasize her uh, enough. And like, she was the, she was like somebody that really taught me my worth as a DJ, uh, too. Mm-hmm. Um she 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 was <laughs> amazing. And then also um one reason I wanted to be over here is I wanted to see if I could find this book. Um, like another great book is uh Stepping on the Blues. And I'm only showing this for the people on YouTube, uh, wow. The Visible Rhythms of African American Dance by Jackie Malone. And in here, um uh Jackie had written like one of the most powerful statements that I include in in my classes. At all levels, more so on beginner, but it's just that you know vernacular means making African American rhythms visible on the dance floor. And then this is the book that set me on the on the path of like, okay, six def- definitive characteristics of African American vernacular dances are rhythm, improvisation, control, angularity, asymmetry, and dynamism. Um, and, and there's a lot of different books that talk about like vernacular characteristics not only in dance but also in community. And that's when I started to realize that what I was teaching, how I was teaching, regardless of the rhythm, was still vernacular dance, because I was mm-hmm. highlighting all the hallmarks, cared about it, and, you know, I'm still making sure, sh- you know, and we're still emphasizing like improvisation, creativity, spontaneity, um, two partners, independent of each other, yet still connected. Uh, And that's when I suddenly, you know, started getting more comfortable in my mind. I'm like, we're doing Lindy Hop. And Lindy Mm -hmm. Hop can be expressed in a variety of different rhythm patterns too. Mm -hmm. And like, they may not be Lindy Hoppers yet, but we're setting them on the path. And like, we're honoring the dance. And it is Lindy Hop, Um, especially the way we're teaching it. And and we're dancing to like good swing music. It's not like, the nineties or, but also like what they were doing to, to Lindy Hop back in the 1930s and forties to um, simplify it, you know, for white audiences to remove um, blackness from it. And, and so that's just been like my journey. And it's, it's also just been a lot of, a lot of reading. It's been not only books, but also, you know, participating in the teaching swing dance Facebook group and reading and listening and questioning and really evaluating, why do I do what I do? Like, what is the root of it all? Like, what is my mm. pathway? Can I change? Oh, yes, I can change. Change is actually easy at times. Mm. Um, no matter how, pe- like, because I, I swear people think it's so difficult sometimes because they want to please this, this audience.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. But you can determine who your audience is you mm-hmm. just gotta you gotta market and then and then part of that sometimes is also acknowledging what you have done in the past and also explain why you are making this decision that you are because I also think transparency is is good because that can also influence people other people to change for the better because they mm-hmm. see the path they see the change they understand they can at least like read why and think that can, that can help people is to just, you know, be be open to your like past failings too. Um. It's like, yeah. Woo, pathway, Kansas City to Denver now.
0: <laughs> I mean, I have to say that it's so admirable to see someone with such rich experience be able to recognize that because there's been this beautiful transition in the lingo hop scene where I feel like a lot of instructors are really wanting to bring it back to the roots of the dance. That quote that he talks about vernacular dance, vernacular means making American rhythms visible on the dance floor. That's visceral. And for those listening, I'll put the book that Kenny brought up uh, in the description so that you can also check it out. I know I'm going to add it to my reading list. Now, oh. You you said a lot of great things there, but one of the things that really stuck out to me and a core part of this podcast is talking about community. And when we're talking about African American rhythms, we're also talking about the music because we can't have the dance without the music. I know that you have brought up the importance of partnering with bands outside of just string dance and music community, correct?
1: Yes. Um, it's just been part of our ethos here with Swing in Denver as we work with the greater broader Metro Denver and beyond community live music is super important mm. it's 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 amazing how stark the difference is between the Lindy Hop community that predominantly listens to DJ music and the rest of the Denver community and like, like we want to sell them on, on live music because Not all DJs get how to create a party vibe for the general public. And Mm -hmm. we do a lot of work in the general public and we put a lot of effort, especially on social, like on special events to get the public out. And Mm -hmm. the public wants party music. And that's just another thing that we've tried, we've been working on emphasizing with like live bands too is like, we want party music, we want the good times to roll. Basically, because like, I mean, for like you have such a rich live music scene out in in Southern California, um, just with like Josh Colazo, mm. Jonathan Stout and others, but also like I was out there some some years back and like Steve Sayers taking us out to different places and like exposing us to just like some like Motown again live bands um it's so great because like i'm reminded of that one saying is like you can't step in the same river twice because like the current's always flowing flowing it's never the same and i feel like it's that way with live bands i mean they're living whereas like i mean uj music unless you you know you're playing multiple like versions of rocking a rhythm or something Mm
2: -hmm.
1: i mean granted like dancing with different people and depending on like you know your mood it's it's still like you're never stepping into the same river river twice still with like dj music but working with live bands is just you know something something special and that's like people love seeing that and bands love being in front of people just just jamming and playing and ah it's so awesome and i i just love being in public spaces um i mean granted Yes. Like having a, having a nice hardwood floor is nice, but you know, heck if I can be a, if I can be at a place listening to amazing music, drinking great cocktails, a beer, eating a, eating an amazing wood fire pizza. And then I can like stand up and dance whenever I want. Like that's great. Mm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The vibes.
1: It's it's, it's the vibes. I mean, we create, we've been creating something magical with little man ice cream out here uh, I mean, yeah, we missed a couple of years with COVID, but basically this is our 10th year working with them. So like 13 to 15 dates, Saturdays, outdoors in the summer, ice cream, live music, beginner Lindy Hop lessons in front of hundreds, hundreds of people. Like, that's life. And you should see like the smiles it puts on people's faces because like they were just coming out to get ice cream, but now suddenly like they're a part of this this bigger thing and they might be taking a swing, like you know, let me have a lesson for the first time just because they, you know, randomly walked up to have ice cream. Mm, mm,
0: mm. That's refreshing because I, I, I think that the only, um, I think that the only general pop, populist dancing or like exposure that we do right now is through Atomic when they do like the free workshops or the free dance in a day,
1: I guess you could say. And yeah, we do. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we do ice cream, distilleries, breweries, Union Station, uh, artisan vendor markets. Like, we're in so many places. I mean, we've created, like, second lines outdoors in the fall as part of a vendor market. Wow. Yeah. Now, that's outreach. That's community
0: outreach right there. And, like, you do that through partnering with
1: different bands and different venues that are not swing dance related. little Or, yeah, correct. So, uh, one tip I have for everybody if you're looking Mm. to, you know, find some different venues. So, we also do like learn how to lindy hop, learn how to swing dance and day workshops, and that kind of gives us another opportunity. And our thing is like, where can I pop in into a cool venue, bring people to it where there's also nearby food and drink for like either lunch or we end early or something like that. And, but we're also looking like we have found the greatest success if they run a yoga class there. You can run a dance class, yeah. yeah. Um, like we've even done it, like at a roastery, and like that was the best smelling class ever.
0: <laughs> a roastery—that's ingenious.
1: Yeah, Percolate, percolating rhythm. Um, credit credit goes to Kate Hazen for that a clever naming, right there. Um, but yeah, I mean, we we love it um, because it also like it just it, it brings people in to support different businesses. I get to highlight different neighborhoods and venues and stuff, and then gain greater exposure myself uh, because, I mean, it's really great to say like, hey, I've taught Lindy Hop at The Source. Uh, The Source is a well-known food hall and hotel here in Denver where after the class, part of the class involved like a complimentary drink, eighth floor, rooftop views, like, 360 all around, just seeing like the beautiful Denver skyline plus the mountains. Mm-hmm. Um it's just it's just so much, so much fun, like uh creating things like that. And then like, and people see it, and then they want swing dancing at their venue. Like that's why we do things at at an outdoor mall at like Aspen Grove. It's why we've worked with Park Meadows. Part of the reason that you know we've done you know regular, regular gigs at Beaver Creek, where and all these places have all their different budgets. And so it's a really great way to like, you know, you can start here as a band, but then like, we can get them like more moneyed gigs because mm-hmm. I'm also like reminded of like the, you know, the Duke Ellington quote is like my gimmick is I pay my people. Yeah. And like, mm-hmm. if you want to want the bands to get better, it helps to get them gigs. And so I was able to book 50, uh, 50 swing band dates through Little Man Ice Cream uh, because I'm now the talent booker for all seven other venues covering 140 plus dates. Wow. Yeah, so it's, it's like relations. relations, relationships. And so yeah, like swing bands aren't just playing for swing dancers. They're out. I mean, we have a lot of... Like bands that just hustle and like play at so many cool mm-hmm. venues, uh, small to big. And so, like, you know, one of my goals would be to like get more of the local swing organizations here to book more live music. I mean, that would be phenomenal to see.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Now, I, I have to confess, I'm not very familiar with Denver's uh, jazz and swing band scene, but. Is there a pretty thriving like jazz scene in Denver, would you say?
1: Um, it seems to be pretty thriving. So uh like our, like the station, main station is Kuvo, KUVO, main main place, a couple main places are like Dazzle, uh Denver is really well known. Uh Nocturne is new, Spangalang Brewery. I mean, there's a lot of places that hire jazz bands, and then we have um like the five points jazz festival um five points was the basically regarded as the harlem of the west uh, oh, back yeah. in the day it has suffered through some gentrification recently but there's also some really nice um in, investments taking place from uh, black ownership or revitalizing places like the rossonian mm-hmm. getting the uh the famous walton street cafe uh, relocated like a few blocks north of its current location they haven't opened recently. They should be opening soon. Um, uh, don't remember. But yeah, solid jazz scene. Um, but there's still a, a solid split, it feels like, between the like jazz like jazz, we'll say 50s and later, modern, mm-hmm. postmodern, uh, versus like the swing era stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, we have about 40 different swing bands across the front range. And that's basically like East of the mountains that border Boulder and Golden in Colorado Springs to kind of give mm-hmm. any listeners uh, a mental mental image right there. So there's there's a lot of like wide range of talent from you know anywhere between trios to 18 pieces.
0: Okay. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. So it's yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's pretty, it's a pretty rich, it sounds like there's like a lot of opportunity for a lot of the general practice as well as swing dancers to experience live bands there, which I'm all for yeah. having more
1: bands uh, in Denver. Yeah, and there's been some like, cool recent collaborations too between cabaret burlesque and swing bands. Um, oh. I have a collaboration coming up called uh, Le Cirque Risque with Aerial Circus acts following followed by a swing dance party where we will somehow host a spontaneous competition Good luck. I'm crossing my fingers right now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Good luck to us. And then another band recently did a nice little um, burlesque collaboration with Misfits Entertainment at a new venue that opened up downtown called Orchid Denver. And so I'm hoping that like these developments, you know, turn into like more like regular permanent gigs. I'm hoping like it's paying off like, you know the venue the entertainment booker and the bands are all like finding success mm-hmm. because that's the other thing is just like i was talking to david lawrence band leader of la pompe and royal street ramblers some months back and we were talking about the idea of sustainability around mm-hmm. ticket prices yeah mm-hmm. and you know one thing that stood out for me is he was just saying that sustainability means being able to do it over again um and that's like that's something that organizers have to be mindful of is like pricing things, pricing things, things right, threading the needle between what the audience is willing to pay for, marketing it right. Because I also think that people that are just trying to sell to the swing dance audience is missing a good opportunity to bring the general public out. Because sometimes mm-hmm. things can get finicky here with mm-hmm. with how we treat live music uh, within like the Lindy Hop community. Um mm-hmm. And then, you know, making sure like you're covering all your financial elements, but hopefully do it again.
0: yeah, yeah, yeah that that actually is a perfect segue into the other topic that I was curious to chat with you about, because I think there are several people who listen to this podcast who want to reach the general public, who want to like make their events known. And I know that you have some really good thoughts on. Marking as a means to increase accessibility. So I was curious, like where, if you could tell us more about that.
1: Yeah. And well, reason why, I, well, there's a few reasons why, but like one memory that stands out to me is so Ray Mason Campbell affiliated with the Guardian Baltimore, and I think I was looking brie up recently and I think either her role switch or maybe the Guardian rebranded. So mm-hmm. if you're putting any links in like you can feel free to like do name check me as uh-huh. far as the organization affiliation, but she was giving a talk at Lenny focus in, t- in 2017. And it was just on the, on the subject of like, are you marketing to different neighborhoods or are you just marketing to the neighborhood that you you currently occupy with your swing dance class? Are you doing physical? And like, so few people were raising their hand, which was astounding to me because at least mm-hmm. you're in Denver Through the work of Dan Newsom and Tiffany Wine, who used to like manage the swing nights at the Mercury Cafe, Mm -hmm. um, I just remember like they always had marketing materials. They had two college students, um, a brother and sister, that would just drive around town dropping off flyers. Like, and then you can also read Dan's blog, the home of Happy Feet, really great resource for marketing. But like, like at their home, they also had stickers and magnets because, you know, you slap the sticker on your water bottle or you slap the magnet on the fridge. And even if you don't attend immediately, you're going to have a constant reminder Mm -hmm. because they had all these different assets. You could fold the piece of paper, stick it in your wallet, stick it in, in your pants and maybe it like gets penned somewhere, but they had all these ways in which people could take marketing materials from them and be reminded later about you could learn how to lindy hop at the mercury cafe Mm. and and like all that advice like dan is like one of the great resources available to the swing dance community not only about marketing but also running teams how to appreciate swing music how to dj again like really great stuff home of happy the home of happy um and and but, like, I'm hoping that all these people left Brie's talk going, okay, how can I increase my marketing? Because, you know, like, you gotta, like, print marketing is so important and you gotta make sure, like, you're flyering different neighborhoods, not just the one you're occupying in, because, like, people drive in. Um, I mean, they could be, you know, they might live in the Baker neighborhood, but they happen to be on Tennyson at Hobson Pie getting a pizza and a beer and they see a swing in Denver flyer. And then they can come back to their, to the Baker neighborhood where they live. So there's like all these ways to reach people. And and she was also pointing out, I was just like, I mean, are you, are you only teaching in neighborhoods that you're comfortable in? And are you only doing outreach in neighborhoods you're comfortable in? Um, And and so like, you know, just really asking people like, why do you do what you do? What do you do? Could you do more? Um, But like the other element of that is too, is just like have a robust online calendar. Mm -hmm. you know make it easier for people to access and pay for a class Mm -hmm. um be active on facebook be active on instagram which people treat as the new google to find Mm -hmm. things Uh, have your links see what instagram is doing that is new like i love the fact that you can now add more than one other collaborator that is great because it gets you into new audiences The other thing is having a robust Google My Business profile. Like I think that's one of the reasons why Swing in Denver, as inactive as we are, we're still like a top three result, strangely enough. Mm -hmm. And of all the organizations here in Denver, we might actually be one of two. Possibly the only, no, maybe one of two that actually have active quality Google My Profile listings in which we are the clear owner on it. Like Mm -hmm. we have claimed it because you can post events through Google. You can make posts. Like you can do so much. And the thing is, is like Google likes good content
2: Mm.
1: also. And I think, you know, you you need to be active everywhere. It's like my friend, Kyle Smith, amazing DJ, since retired, also a uh webmaster and marketer Hmm. so one of the things so i attended um like a one of our class i think i think it it may have been just called marketing um at at the uh, balboa experiment Hmm. and he was talking about like like y'all on social media should be like selling 10% of the time and I forget how he called it, but like, you know, basically being a community spot for people to come like 90% of the time. And Mm -hmm. that's where, you know, it's just interesting to see how much like people are just like all their content. It's only their events, but there's other Mm -hmm. places. um, and, And Swing in Denver does this is just like we're posting content from all around the world. You know, just people dancing from different events, celebrating others, or here, here's some amazing, you know, information about this, about this artist, like Ella Fitzgerald or something and just being a community resource
2: mm-hmm. rather
1: than an advertising hub for people to just know what event you do. And I found mm-hmm. that a really good advice. And then the other piece of advice that resides in my brain is that, um, when, when I was like starting the process to get the Swing in Denver website, uh. Created, he was like, you need to sit down one evening, or yourself a bottle of wine, and start signing up for all the social media channels. <laughs> I did that without the wine. Um, but it's like the same thing when like more and more people were getting on TikTok. I mean, I I I low effort our TikTok presence, I high effort Instagram and then you know, Facebook's in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but like it was good advice. Um because I, I do think it's important to be everywhere. And I know that can be daunting for some, but you want people to find you. You Like the only way you're going to have like a burgeoning scene is if you're bringing new people in. Hmm. Um, and that also includes like digital advertising on social media and then also Google. And then I was talking to Nick over at Tracktown Swing about that because he, he was curious about, um, what, how much money, you know, we were spending. I was like, well, I only got data for like, you know, these sessions from like 2022, but like, you know, here's my data, here's, here's what we do. Um, and you know, it's, I want to cover as much as possible. So it's, it's a great, it's a good mix between, you know, social media, digital advertising, uh, physical assets and, and, and the collaborations help. And also at the collaborations that we're doing, we're often pulling up with a six foot vertical roll up banner mm. too, so that people can see Swing in Denver. The, the two new banners we added have QR codes too, because mm-hmm. I just want to make everything accessible. It's also like, you know, somebody was like, you know, your website is not optimized for older people. Mm. You need to have links to your calendar to your classes and i think they may have said even like one other thing like it's first thing that people see like older people don't want to do it and you you need to get better at maintaining your um your website calendar mm-hmm. um too and like also like email newsletter get the email addresses reach people because more and more people are also leaving social media you mm-hmm. mentioned discord you know before our call i'm curious about that mm-hmm. um, because it's like you know where are people how can i find them you know who are my target demographic, but you want just you want the word to get out um, any old way you can. So that's why we do um, so much, and it's also why I feel like I can't restart regular classes right now because I don't have the time or energy to market how I want
2: mm-hmm. to. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I I I don't necessarily I don't want to half-ass things essentially. Right.
0: Yeah, yeah. Not to mention, like with as as a swing dance company owner and as like a professional swing dancer, I feel like it resonates with a lot of people when you say a lot of it is advertising, like you have to advertise and sell in order to get
1: people into the door to then create that community atmosphere, right? Yeah. Because um, also, like, I mean, low attended dances or can can be sad dances. Yeah. Unless, yeah. Unless, unless you also just have people that have the time and energy to give their energy to people to make them feel welcome and part of a community, no matter how small it is. But I also have to recognize that can be exhausting
2: mm-hmm. um,
1: for folks too to just pour your energy into something that doesn't feel like it's giving you energy back.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I, I asked this because I know several people listening to this podcast. So there's this fellow named Nick. Um, he's out in Philly and he definitely has the energy and heart for community. There are several people here so in California who have that. And I was curious, what kind of advice would you give to people who have the time and the energy to get more people into the door or to market to more people, to get more people interested in
1: Lindy Hop as a whole? I mean, I'm all about collaborations and getting into the public, mm-hmm. and that's been like one of the like, one of the things I've talked about. I've I've done some I don't know, call them consultations with some just organizations. As far as like, all right, Kenny, we notice you do you do this? How like what's the payoff? Does it work? You know, what can we do too? But like, I think I think collaborations are are important because not only is it getting you in front of people um but also you know it can also help you grow your social media following which in turn hopefully will help you you know build up in other areas i mean one of the things that i i have lacked in is like if anybody has ever seen like a street performer like they're really good at working the audience and sometimes Mm -hmm. they have like a secondary person that's like you know they got they got the tip hat they got the tip jar like and they're working it and like like, in my ideal of deal worlds, along with these collaborations, mm-hmm. I would have this tertiary person that's, like, a non-instructor, non-GJ, non, you know, work, work in the, the back end, but, like, handing out cards, handing out assets because, I, you know, in the back of my mind, I don't think I've I've gotten enough of um, um, uh, an acquisition rate mm-hmm. out of these. But I think mm-hmm. it's also just part of part of my own failing of not – of not taking additional steps of like you know getting things into people's hands and like having a harder self because you know there there are people that can just it, and work it and just do it uh, marvelous ways mm-hmm. um i i also think like uh especially for like live musical nights too i just think it's like it it, it can be exhausting but like posters and playbills like mixing up the different sizes because like, you see how concerts are promoted, like, Mm. we should be promoting our stuff like concerts, like parties, instead of, oh, let's go to a dance, and that was like uh, an ethos I picked up from Europe, Uh, Mm. uh, it was at first confusing, because I'd be like, oh, when's the next dance, and I'm like, dance? Oh, you mean party? Party, Uh uh-huh. Oh, yeah, and like, Took me a little bit to get out of that mentality, but they just kept doing the same thing. Oh, you mean party? Mm-hmm. And like, I mean, we need to have parties. We need to have proper advertising for the parties mm-hmm. too, and make it seem like a party. Um, like, I, I, heck, I love the poster designs that keep coming out of the Atomic. Yeah. Um, I mean, I love the like poster design work. Uh, that 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 Steve Sayer has done. I, he might even have like the same graphic designer that I met some years ago. But like, I, I love seeing people that put like some really nice effort into their like design, design mm-hmm. their artwork because it makes me want to go.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: and, and and making some of those investments. And I mean, yeah. I know I just kind of like repeated like all of the same things I said. But like I mean, I mean, these are kind of like the reasons and I've seen the payoffs, especially yeah. for like larger special events. We used to host an event called the Speaking Soiree and we get like 400 plus people and 75% of those were the general public. Nice. Like they've never gone. I, I like, these are people I've never seen before, but they're showing up to this because it's an event. They can dress up. They can have food, drink, shop vendors. Like it's this it's this whole thing and and I love that. I love it when people are also posting in Facebook groups not just called uh you know Boston Lindy Hop Facebook group or something but like you're po- like you're posting in social dancing Boston and you're trying mm. to reach people. Like I love seeing that effort too uh, uh, of of people being willing to share their events outside of their own immediate community.
0: Mhm mhm mm-hmm. yeah yeah i feel like it really it really changes the atmosphere and like the perspective perspective of what the event's going to be like when someone posts about it when someone posts on a group that says hey this looks like fun i'm going you
1: should come with me right yeah and also like that's how people find out about you i mean that's just another another way of saying like your marketing makes the event more accessible Mm. and like and it's amazing how many people just promote their event to the swing dance community like Mm. these events should be for everybody like why is it just for swing dancers why are you limiting it why are you making it exclusive Mm. not that they are but it's one way to look at it because you're only promoting it to one certain audience, and you're kind of making it an exclusive event. Whereas, like, going dance is for everybody.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: This was so
0: so. This is so insightful for me because as I'm listening to, you and thinking about things that I'm going to do differently for my event. One of the first things I'm going to do is okay. call the dances a party. Going to call it a yeah. Saturday night party, Friday night party. <laughs> Oh, yeah. uh, one of the other things that I was also thinking about is as we're talking about bringing in more people and being more community conscious and reaching out to other neighborhoods, I was curious if you could, I know this is like a tough a tough question, but if you could name just one thing that a scene could focus on to do to in order to reach more people. What's the one thing that you would do out of everything that you had mentioned? I know, I've given you a tough one.
2: I mean, I'd be...
1: I mean, heck, like, I've thought about this before, but like, one thing in my dreamy dreams like y'all should get some y'all should get some funding shut down a street and host a massive block party
0: whoa all right
1: and line up your pr line up your marketing line up everything and and make it just make it a blowout
0: dang that's an incredible idea
1: food drink couple stages multiple bands
0: oh man you know what i remember there was a place in shambana champagne urbana illinois that had something like this but it was for a blues festival and that was super successful a lot of people showed up oh man now you got my brain going kenny
1: yeah because like it's it's fascinating so we have five points jazz festival they closed down like or three blocks off welton and and historic five points district but like you know they don't hire like too many many swing bands or sometimes they might be in like one of the smaller venues and sometimes there have been some like maybe one or two on like the main stage but like you don't get the dance party vibe Mm -hmm. like it's just like it's a little a little too straight you know yeah um some people some people can just tear it up. And again, like I'm, gonna, I'm thinking back to uh, I was at a brewery having a meeting with David Lawrence, again, band leader of he has like four or five different projects, including the blind pigs. Um, and he was just like, he's just like, just look at this. And it was a tree. It was a bluegrass tree. And he's like, people are just getting up and dancing. and They're just bobbing their head. He's like, this is what I want. Mm. And he gets that. Like he's one of the hardest working band leaders out there. and he he covers like a wide swath of genres with all his projects. Mm. But like, that's another thing. It's just like, like that's what I want too. Mm-hmm. There's no reason that swing bands and swing music have to be in dance halls. Mm-hmm. Like people should just be able to, like, get up and freely move with, without a partner and just just jam, <laughs> you know, and I think like food and beverage have a good deal to do with like community. Yeah. Too. Because I think something else that gets lost is the social aspect. Mm-hmm. Because I don't know. I, I still have like you know just memories of of, of people nagging on me for socializing. Because mm-hmm. they see my value as a, as a, as a dancer. Mm-hmm. If I'm not dancing, it feels like I have less value. Mm-hmm. But like I also love socializing,
2: mm-hmm. hanging out with
1: people. And, you know, swing dances are a great place to like see people because it's a hub. It's a community gathering space. It's where you can talk to people and not just dance. And, you know, certainly people are welcome to like dance because I get it. Like some folks are hungry for that. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, all these spaces should, you know, allow people to to enjoy how they want to enjoy. And I always appreciate venues with, like, different kinds of, like, rooms and spaces because mm-hmm. it just creates, like, nooks and crannies for people to hang out and mingle in different ways.
0: Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. I, I always appreciated the events where there was a space where people could, like, it's very obvious that people are just hanging out. And people are just dan- are just like talking and catching up with their friends because that's the one chance that they get to yeah. catch up each week. And then there's obviously yeah. like the dance floor. Yeah,
1: you know? yeah. I mean, it's it's one of the reasons that Inspiration Week in 2020 was so rewarding to mm-hmm. me because I was coming off of a uh, a rough patch in 2019. Um, I don't know. Depressed. I felt the opposite of being ready to inspire people, um mm-hmm. sort of thing, but it was really rewarding. And part of that also is like they gave us instructors plenty of time, to- plenty of downtime to also hang out with each other. And that's how, like, you know, I've got to hang out with like Felix Berghall for a good amount of time, Bobby mm-hmm. a bit. And like, I've never had like the time or luxury to like, like, Hang out or talk to other instructors because if I'm ever at an event, we're all doing our thing, and then we're Mm -hmm. all at like in our hotel room. We've it it helped that they house does it like a single, single dance, uh, single house,
2: Mm
1: -hmm. and we're like just yeah, hanging out after tacos. Mala just talking about gun violence in America. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Uh. But yeah, it's just, it's rewarding just to be able to, you know, hang out with people and people just being willing to hang out with you.
0: I think that there is such, I think Lindy Groove does a great job about this, like making it very community oriented. There's this new group of dancers at Lindy Groove. They have this little corner and they're all really good friends. All of them come to Lindy Groove and yes, they dance, but they're primarily there to just hang out and be friends and i love that group because swing dancing is what brought them together and now that group is really tight-knit and they're very close and they hang out outside yeah. of dancing but that was because of dancing they were able to make that connection so i very much appreciate nice. that you appreciate the value of socializing at a dance and that's not yes the dance is beautiful but it creates a community where we actually get to like be humans with each other right
1: right and yeah it was so I'm bringing out Felix Bergall and Marine die out later uh, this mm-hmm. year, and so one of the things that was coming up in a, in a Zoom call we had is just like ah, I'm gonna just misquote, but like Marie Marie was referencing just people's humanity, and and I think that's also something important. It's like it took me a long time to realize this, but like like you, you bring your self the dance
2: mm-hmm.
1: and it's welcome mm-hmm. because i feel i mean even i did this for a while is just like because of how white culture is is like you're creating like little cookie cutters of mm-hmm. yourself mm-hmm. you're trying to like output the same thing all the time or like you know people are like oh, i want your sugar push to look like this i ought to be like this and i'm just like I came from a west coast swing background and it took me like <laughs> only until maybe like 2020 i was like realizing things i was like yeah i'm gonna, I'm gonna well and i'd probably just go through like ebbs and flow of this but i was just like okay all right i'm going to accept my like a myriad of a dance background mm-hmm. um and it just makes the dance more creative and free but also like This is what vernacular dance is all about and it gets Mm -hmm. back into like i think it was like when al mens was interviewed by swedish television he's like you know you and this is something i mentioned to the students because i i need them to be welcome in their own bodies it's just like you know i look across the savoy ballroom floor and i see hundreds of different styles Mm -hmm. out there um but i'm also reminded and who, who who knows about this legend Uh, This was um, passed on to me via Kevin St. Laurent. He's like, hey, did you ever hear about that time when they were trying to figure out, like, Frankie's swing out? Mm -hmm. Uh, Tell me. And he was just saying, like, you you know, they hit play. Frankie does a swing out. They write their notes. I'm like, oh, man, cool. Can we see that again? Hit play. Frankie does a swing out. And they're like, oh, heck. He was like layering different rhythms and footwork and stuff. And I'm like, eh, well, let's just check it out again. And then, like, okay, they're taking notes. But like, can you imagine what it have been like if Frankie could have taught maybe how the way he wanted to teach hmm. rather than landing with step step, triple step, step step, step triple step? Mm. Like, what would been the path mm. of Lindy Hop if it was you briefly hold your partner, you swing him out, you reconnect versus how we how some people can break down a swing out. Mm. But like mm-hmm. what would it have been like? Mm. Ooh. You know, um yeah. I wish I could recall this quote um, by the historian, historians Terry Monahan and Karen Hubbard. Um, I have to find it. Um, It's probably from some expert excerpt they were writing about the Savoy, but it was just something about the partnerships were mutually assertive. Mm. There's another thing. Is like, what if we had learned and then had taught that Lindy Hop? As a partnership that is mutually assertive from the beginning, like yeah, we've mm. gone through a lot of growing pains to get to that point. With that, and you know, there's still some holdouts or people that have like you learned a long time ago and just kind of got frozen in time. Too, but like, what if we were all teaching Lindy Hop like that? Mm. I and mean, as it should be. Yeah. We're getting back to like and really emphasizing and leaning in on the vernacular dance hallmarks mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. It's I don't know. It's interesting
0: it's, to think about. I think that's a that's a really good a really good point for any of the listeners to think through is like what what would that have looked like for sure. And I'm that's going to give me some food for thought as well, which is actually like a perfect place to like start segueing because you did mention, so Felix talks about this kind of stuff a lot, but you didn't mention Felix and Marie. So tell us more about that event.
1: Yeah, so um, this was all sparked by somebody on my team. Her name is Jamie Burke, hmm. and Jamie is awesome. She discovered us in 2015, and I do not remember how this all like went down, but like pretty soon after that, I gave her the keys to a practice studio we use so that beginner Jamie could host a practica. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, she's amazing. So she took an intermediate class of theirs, like an intermediate part two class of theirs at Camp Hollywood this past mm-hmm. year. And, and there's a blog on Swing and Denver right now that Jamie wrote. So it's all in her words uh, because I was just like, I need you to refresh my mind. We caught because her and I talked about this at a gig, and I was just like, you know what? I'm going to email them. I'm just going to see if they're interested and like want to come out here and are available. Mm-hmm. Um, but but she was kind of nervous. She hadn't been dancing in a while, and she's like, she was also like, mm, part two, yeah. Like, do I want to jump in here? Mm-hmm. But it was an amazing, uplifting experience for her. With like with. Felix and Marie kind of noted notating like you know the differences between like European and American culture like Europe doing a lot more a lot of a count focus america six and and they were just trying to like get people to explore their musical autonomy mm-hmm. and their- auto- autonomy like as dancers too and again, there's the block on swing in Denver um. Mm-hmm. But it was just like this, and it just proved to be so rewarding and uplifting. And she felt validated because what Felix and Marie were teaching is in alignment with what Swing in Denver does. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't always feel validated because of, of the values that other school dance schools or communities instill. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you're not following this, therefore you're wrong. And you know, that sort of thing. And like I'm also struck by like what Sylvia like. From cat's corner montreal said in a teacher training is like there there is shame associated with leading and following Mm -hmm. we don't talk about leading we barely talk about leading and following in beginner land it was like we just want people to dance we want people to explore their bodies and the question that we we like we ask them is like does it feel does it feel good did it feel good what changes could you make um how could we facilitate the conversation between you and your partner so that maybe they could make some changes so that things could feel better because we're just mm-hmm. trying to like you know calibrate them internally It's like proprioception you know for dancers just having like that you know enhancing their their self awareness you know, with mm-hmm. like little to no expectations like people people can choose their choose their path and choose what they want to get out of Wendy off um but so that sparked that. They're um, coming in May 31st through June 2nd, uh, eight-hour intensive workshop, uh, seven hours dance focus, one-hour Q&A lecture. Still haven't landed on topics, but I'm really interested in perhaps diving into uh, Marie's work, mm-hmm. uh, like like Women Jazz, and I'm forgetting what else, but i still got time to explore. Um, mm-hmm. Friday night, we have... A um, twenty-person tour at the Black American West Museum and Cultural Center and Five Points. I think it's very important to check that out. I actually have not been to the museum, but we have partnered with their lead curator a- in the past, and it was really rewarding to have her bring like pictures of of. Um... I'm always going to blank out. Uh... I'm blanking out on the artist, but like you know, it was just her, like uh-huh. her as a little kid with these swing era legends. And mm-hmm. it's just like the, the storytelling behind that, uh, which I really value um, partnering with Boulder Swing Dance for a Saturday night event. And then we're working with the Little Man Ice Cream Factory to combine soul line dancing, either live or recorded soul music with barbecue. Wow. Yeah, and ice cream. So huh. And there's a slide, and there's a slide inside. A that slide. slide is amazing.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> all right well that sounds like yeah. a phenomenal event uh i for those listening i've taken a private with kenny and he had already told me about this and so i am planning to attend i'll put all of that information- <gasps> <laughs> so, funny. so i'll put i'll put all of that event information uh down below now before we go into the closing question, is there anything else you want to expand on that we have talked about recently or any topics that we haven't touched on so far?
1: I feel like we talked on uh, touched on a lot and I know that uh, time has ticking away. <laughs> so yeah.
0: I, know, I know it's getting uh, a little late for you over there. So we're gonna go into like the last few questions that I asked all of my guests. And the first one is, it's a marketing question, considering how we touched on such good marketing stuff.
1: But where can people find more information about you and Swingin Denver as a whole? Man, honestly, I'd say just go to swingindenver.com or check us out on Instagram um, just to kind of find out, like, what's up? What are we doing? What are we promoting? Uh, that sort of thing. Um, That's kind of the best hub. And then I'm the one answering the emails on the contact us forum. So if you got questions or coming out to Denver, like feel free to reach out.
0: Boom. There you go.
1: And then uh, the
0: other question was apart from the one that you had mentioned and say that one more time, what are the dates of the one where you're bringing Felix and Marie out?
1: Yeah, that's going to be May 31st through June 2nd. So it is the weekend after Camp Jitterbug and ILHC. Mm -hmm. Gotcha.
0: And then... uh, what other events are you going to like in 2024
1: who knows i'm married with two kids (laughs) Um, but i mean that being said like um uh there's a couple of places uh delilah and i might pop up that is still yet to be determined but Mm -hmm. instagram is a good spot and i imagine these organizers do their work and so it will be on likely facebook planet that sort of thing if if things materialize Uh, my main competition partner for people that don't know is Delilah Williams Mm -hmm. she is a proud mama of three kids Mm. and so uh, family life naturally uh, you know creates some things to work around sometimes and get creative with
0: Mm -hmm. yeah gotcha so we'll keep an eye out for that and the last question that I ask which is my favorite question is what is the message you want to leave for any swing dancers or any women hoppers that are currently listening today?
1: Oh boy, now this is why I prepared. So I'm actually scrolling to our previous event that we had scheduled this for so I could pop open some notes here. Um, so that is such an important question. Let's see if I just block the camera here. Answers for Andre. I love how prepared you are, by the way. The fact that you
0: took notes at all is, like, beautiful.
1: Yeah. Oh, man. I actually kind of answered this on on a... Oh, it was an Instagram question. I think on Joe Hoffberg's account. It's very similar to what what my notes say, but... um, I would just greatly encourage people to keep learning and exploring, um, keep asking questions and figuring out where you can find those answers and, and be open to being vulnerable and professing a lack of knowledge in areas so that people can get you answers or resources uh, there too. Um, I would also encourage people to study more deeply what vernacular means. We did touch Mm -hmm. on it a little earlier, but, like read stepping on the blues. Read. Um, I also find well, there's Jazz Dance by Marshall Stearns. There's also mm-hmm. Jazz Dance, a history of the roots and branches, edited mm-hmm. by Lindsay Guarino and Wendy Oliver. And this uh has a chapter in the in the book that also deals with vernacular ba- values as it pertains to community um because i also think that it's super important to know its associated values such as expressing african-american rhythms on the dance floor call and mm-hmm. response improvisation and then i also encourage people to see recognize and lift up other people i would not be where i am today if people had not r- recognized whatever latent talent or drive may have been inside me mm-hmm. um so i'm always grateful uh to those people and they've been at all stages of my dance life. And then um, the final thing is also um, be willing to have uh, firm boundaries because your time and energy is important. Mm -hmm. And especially as like people might start working like their own gigs, it's it's important to have good contracts in place and that you are – value in your time and people understand the value of your time and again to like reflect back on sam carol carol that is one of the things she did uh for me as as a dj uh, actually as a dj working for her Um, and that was truly amazing and so again i i appreciate people people like her her and others or even people that you know check in and allow you and open up the possibility of a no, or ask you questions of just like, do you feel like we are valuing your time enough? Because I feel like, you know, I appreciate the volunteer uh, labor, but we also have to be cognizant of people's time and valuing their time and and not taking advantage of them.
0: Yeah, 150%. that's a, I think that's a really warm reminder all of us to be doing that so i super appreciate you bringing those words up Kitten. really i do thank you well i think that takes us to the end of uh our podcast um for those of you listening thank you for making it to the end Please make sure to follow Kenny on Instagram. Check out all the links down below. Check out Kenny's event as well. That's happening in Denver. Let me know if you're planning to go. Maybe we can carpool or something. And then uh, don't forget to follow SoCal Summer Swing Out on Instagram, on YouTube. Also, don't forget to hit going on the Facebook event for the SoCal Summer Swing Out exchange. It'd be amazing to have you all. But uh, that is it. Kenny, uh, don't go anywhere after I hit re- after I stop recording. But thank you so much for doing this podcast with me. Thank you. All right, and uh, bye everyone. We'll see you later. Peace. Thank you for listening. The music you are currently hearing is called Dances of the Night by Papa D. You can find all its links down below. Till next time.
2: Don't lose hope. Trying to stand tall Trying to give a dance of yours The best that you got Cause every time that they hear this sound That music gets the feet above the ground Time just seems to stop in every move Seems all your life what is based on tonight And all you gotta do is do it right You gotta move, you gotta move, you gotta move you good to good to, to be a deal.